Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 295 of the ETPHD team podcast with myself and Katie. Hi Katie, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, I am well, thank you. And Anna, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm feeling pretty chill. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I've forgotten something, clearly. <laughs> mm. I've started, because I, don't, I think you guys are similar, like Friday is my admin day. And I start to get to Thursday afternoon and I just go, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. It's my admin day. I'll do that tomorrow. It's my admin day. And I get quite chill. And then I wake up on Friday and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have a chill day. Just do an admin. And then I look at the list that I've left myself for the Friday and I'm like, oh, that's foolish. So I've kind of got that pre-Friday feeling already of like, I know what's in that list that I just keep putting off. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's not go into my to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow's problem. <laughs> Correct. Future use problem. And Katie, Katie's mm-hmm. currently doing the podcast um, on the floor, basically in the men's toilet. So it's real nice. <laughs> yeah, I found a corner of the air. The irony is that I'm, I'm covering Becca today because she was like, can someone cover me? I, I'll be traveling. I was like, sure, I'll do it. And I was like, oh, I'm doing the same. We're making it work. Apology. Imperfect action. There we go. <laughs> Imperfect action over nothing. I agree. I agree. Um, okay. I um, thoroughly just, just just was watching your real Anna. It's very funny. Who knew you had? Yeah. A, who knew you had a sense of humour? I, I, I didn't know it existed. Who, who knew? Clearly, I had my like. Uh, I'm I'm going to say probably average seven hours sleep. I was feeling good. Feeling good. You got seven hours. Well done. I know. It turns out consistent sleep meditation is the way forward. Oh, oh really. Well, I've kind of stacked off for, so Katie, you told me about this book called The Heart's Invisible Furies, and mm-hmm. it's something like 20 hours or something on an audiobook, and I, I'm so, I've only got half an hour left, I've listened to, the, I've mm-hmm. been, I've just demolished it, and every night I would, all, I've always been like, without fail, I do my meditation at night regardless. And I haven't because I've just been listening to that, putting it on sleep timer and then <laughs> rewinding it and then listening to the bits that I've missed to the point where I actually had to top up my Spotify premium minutes because I didn't want to wait for two days to then listen to the next part. So thanks for that. That's where I'm at with my Oh, my audience. gosh. That's, that, okay, I'll wear that badge of honour. The one thing that's yeah. jeopardised Amelia's daily meditation. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it. It's so good. It's so good. I can't get on board. I can't get on board with... Uh, audible or I just can't like loads of people in the book club Katie you in the book club mm-hmm. loads book of people club, have yeah. been downloading the books and I'm like I, I can't I need I need to read I don't take it in otherwise and with sleep that would be the case I'd be listening for about a year and not remembering it, anything that I take in it's so important for me who reads the book like it that, that is everything like I've been listening I listened to recently like Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights and, and I mean the story of his life life is chaos but just listening to the way he like tells the story it's just yes yeah, that's why it's 
I loved that book. Well, I kind of, I think I skipped some of it, but I was listening to it when I was in Texas. So like, I felt like it was like even oh, more good. relatable, mm-hmm. but I still hear some of the things that he says in his book, like in my voice. And I didn't care about Matthew McConaughey at all. And then listened to that and I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, Will Smith is good too. Cause he reads it. And it you're so right. It makes such mm-hmm. a difference. I tried, mm-hmm. there's a book that I got recommended or I heard on a podcast called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. And I started mm. to that and it was just, it was, I think it was, I don't know if it was the author or like an older man reading it, but it was so monotonous. And I listened to about an hour and I was like, sunk, like, I'm not going to go for some costs, like just turn it off, but always listen to the author, like the, the always listen to the sample before buying the book. I did not do that on that occasion. And it was a regret. <sighs> okay. Moving on. Let's get started on the question. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I don't, off the top of my head now, I, I don't know anything about that. So we'll change, we'll pivot. Um, the next question is, I know the team has spoken about it before, but any journal prompts on identifying your values and identifying how to shape your career in the direction that you want? I'm starting to feel scared about taking the next step, knowing lots of things in this industry don't work for me anymore. So I think when they're talking about this industry, I think they're meaning career, their career industry. Um, and my first thought about prompts is, doesn't Becca have an ebook around value journaling on value prompts? So definitely I would start downloading that. Um, and then the other thing I would say, rather than it being about journaling prompts, but just being about identifying your values generally and it's it's like giving yourself permission that your values you're allowed to get curious you're allowed to try certain values on they're allowed to change like I think that sometimes you get fixated on the idea that like oh my values are this fixed thing and they're never going to change but like values can evolve and adapt and do and so just getting curious about that and that's where the journaling prompts are so good because you can write it down have record but like keep back to it and as you're even just as you're asking the question like it'll change a lot of what I do with my clients in our somatic work is we really start to engage with this question of like what is my purpose which is a really big and scary question a lot of people have never asked it before but it's like the more you just start to try to answer it the more you get a sense of like oh yeah that was it but actually it's changed now or that word I used to think it was that word I had a client today who was like oh I used to think that it was like kindness but actually that doesn't capture the whole my whole values because it's about boundaries as well and so maybe actually compassion is is a more appropriate so yeah I would encourage them to download Becca's journaling prompts and also just that permission that values can change I was gonna say I think it can be really difficult in I think when you do it like when you're doing work on values and career comes into it it can be really tricky because like your 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 job might not align with all of your values and there might need to be some compromise there I'm not saying obviously stay in a job that you hate by any means like that's not what I'm saying you've clearly noticed that there's a bit of there's something that's not quite aligning um and maybe that's kind of the area to explore as well into, okay, well, what's working for me? What's not working for me? 
but also knowing that often and it's not just career-wise but in life there is going to be some compromise when with your values and it might be a case of like whether it's this job whether it's a new job it doesn't align with all of your values but actually it brings you close or it allows you to move closer to them yeah I'm gonna kind of flip it on its head from what I would normally say just because I think that this is the way that I have approached my entire career I didn't know what values were until I was about 33 realistically now people talk about it and it's like a buzzword right in our industry especially but like I didn't really know what they were until I did my life coaching qualification and how to kind of use them well maybe I was 31 but regardless right um I think that sometimes we want to do things quote unquote right so we're like okay our values are our compass and then we put our goals in line with our values and then we, we go in that direction and that's what feels like it makes sense um, but actually, like, what brings you joy? What, like, you're never going to enjoy every part of your industry. It's very rare that you're going to enjoy every part of your industry. And if we think about the fitness, the health, wellness space, I enjoy 80% of it, but there's 20% of it that I despise. And most of that 20% is things like Eddie Abu. But, like, realistically, or Stephen Wireless stuff, not him, you know. Their opinions, not the people, you know. Um, and those things don't align with my values. But me trying to have a more positive impact and educating outside of those things does, right? So I think we have this idea of what we think, okay, it has to look like this for it to be aligned and to be great, etc. And actually, what do you just, what gives you a sense of purpose? What gives you a sense of joy? And, and then as you find those if you do not, as you navigate yourself through those parts of your career, if something feels a bit ick, if something feels a bit off, then check in with your values and think, why does this feel this way? Okay, that's because it doesn't align with my values. Okay, how else can I, how can I pivot here? Because there's so many ways to do different, to, to align with your values in the same career. Now, of course, if you are a vegan and you're working in like a slaughterhouse, then there's going to be quite clear, like it's probably not going to work. But if you are somebody who is a personal trainer and works on relationships with food, can you work in a space that pushes diet culture? Yes, if you do, if you use your voice in, in a helpful way, yes, you absolutely can. So I think just try and allow yourself to get curious and also to make the wrong decisions and pivot. And that's part of finding your career and doing something that's a little bit different that people haven't done before. It's just allowing yourself that space to just just to see okay I'm coming back home after half a year of traveling southeast Asia this one of my clients any tips on settling back into quote-unquote normality now for reference this person not only traveled southeast Asia but went on to did like yoga teacher training and then did a lot of like teaching others and um yeah, and has really pushed herself massively outside of her comfort zone to do all these things and now is coming back actually to not far from me. Amazing. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> oh, that sounds dreamy. Um, this, this is going to be really rubbishy advice, but I think initially like there is going to need to be an adjustment period 
because you're not going to be the same person that you were when you left and things are likely going to look very different um and it's it's almost kind of like whilst it sounds as though you've really <laughs> gonna give myself the ick saying this like found yourself over the last how was it six months travel um like it is it is going to be kind of okay well what does life look like with the new me back home um and yeah I think giving yourself grace taking some pressure off obviously keeping the non-negotiables in place because they're like your anchors but just have a bit of fun getting back into being at home and catching up with everybody I would say yeah I would just echo that I was in that position like basically this time last year and it's really scary because you do feel like you're like I've gone through so much change how am I going to go back to like my old place but remember that even though you've been away and you've changed like it's not just like things have changed at home as well like you're not the only thing that's changed and giving yourself that permission to almost to, to feel like yeah you might come back and you might feel a little bit like oh I don't connect with people the same way like if you're allowed to feel that sort of like disconnection and you realize like how can I possibly share my experience with like one conversation but just taking that time to like allow that to happen and, and you do find the groove and it's like oh, oh I'm going for a big cliche but it, it, once my friend told me um no man ever steps in the same river twice because he is not the same man and not the same river so you've changed and homes changed and you get to like it's not like you've changed and homes stay the same that makes sense yeah I think also there's just like I think sometimes there's a fear of like oh well if I go back home then I'm gonna go back into the way that I was before and I like who I am now and I don't want to lose all these things and and as I said to this person in, in her check-in um you know it's all well and good doing all of this incredible work on yourself and finding yourself and you know feeling free and all of these things but it's sort of irrelevant if you it you cannot incorporate that into the life of connection and with the people that you love and and look like this is not going to be this person but like if you if you value those things and you can't connect with anyone else and you would rather go away and live in Asia for the rest of your life away from your family and friends and that feels right for you then great do that um but it's the same as like it's I sort of relate it to like relationship with food work it's all well and good working on your relationship with food when you're like and saying you don't overeat anymore because you don't allow yourself those foods or you don't socialize or you never have a drink or you're not putting yourself in those situations but that's not that's only working on your relationship with food to some degree and then after that it's kind of like well the next phase is incorporating that into a wholehearted life and a wholehearted life looks like at least sometimes probably being with your family and being back home and seeing friends and and allow yourself like you might you may well have grown apart from some people or you may well think actually we don't have that many shared values anymore or shared opinions anymore and like you said Kaylee that's absolutely okay um and allow that but this is just this is kind of the next chapter of this phase of life of 
you've done a lot of work on yourself and it's incredible this is the next chapter to see how you incorporate that into your life okay Anna oh I'm glad Katie is on I know it, well, it would have been great with Becca but I'm glad for this question that you're here um anyone have any tips for someone with IC that's in interstitial cystitis I've had this rare condition for almost 30 years and although it is mostly managed by lifestyle when a flare does arrive similar to the terrible pain and issues with a severe UTI I am sent into a spiral of panic and anxiety I need better coping mechanisms for in the moment relief for this chronic pain condition Okay, I uh, that's yeah, that's really relevant because Anna and I have been talking about this. Um, anyone who's experiencing chronic pain, somatics is still something that is available to you. You just have to think about um different ways to access the body. Okay, so there's always there's kind of a conversation around somatics. It's really focused on focusing our internal sensations and. But sometimes for a person with chronic pain, like that's excruciating and that's not going to help them. That's not going to create a sense of safety in the body. So in some tools that I would be curious about is thinking about how are other ways that you can access like being in your body. And for a lot of people that can look like imagery, it can look like visualization practices. It can look like taking you away a little bit from the the physical sensations and that it, that's not about sort of avoidance of being in your body it's just a different way so you can you could guide, do a kind of a guided practice that rather than really intensely focuses on noticing the um the internal physical sensations but you're still wanting to achieve a sense of maybe like grounding and feeling safe you can do one that's connected to the imagery of like a tree and imagining like the roots kind of grinding into the ground so that you're still getting benefits of the practice, but it's just, it takes away the intensity of, of pain. I, I work with a couple of clients who have chronic pain and I think that is like visualization and imagery works really well. I have nothing mm. to add. I think it's so it's so hard not only kind of when you have conditions like this where there's the the fear of a flare and being like well what if like who knows when it's next gonna crop up um but then when you're in it trying hard not to be like okay this is like is it going to get worse how long is it going to be here for and, and any other plans that might have to be kind of postponed it can be really difficult and I think that in itself is what I would try and focus on in like staying present and being here now which like you were saying Katie when you are in the midst of a flare and pain is really high it can be really hard to think of anything of that but focusing on what else is going on for you in that moment and I think as well kind of having that reassurance in knowing that this flare is temporary and it's, it is going to pass and things are going to feel easier so practicing that radical acceptance as well 
Okay, uh, Katie, question. What is the best advice for people who want to create a healthy long-term relationship with food, but also want fat loss and then maintenance of that fat loss? Listen to the entire ETPHD podcast, work with an ETPHD coach and do everything that <laughs> we speak about every single week. Like it's it's hard. Like I think if we all give one piece of advice, maybe this would this would be helpful. Um because otherwise this this is like a I mean I've definitely got podcasts on this in terms of maintaining a healthy relationship with food as you lose body fat. And so definitely if you haven't listened to those podcasts, um scroll back through ETPHD ones. If you just search for fat loss or search for diet on the podcast like search bar, you will see all the ones that come up that go into this in a lot of detail. Um one piece of advice to help create long-term relationship with food. Um, I would say probably flexibility, I think. I think I think if you ask me this, I would say different things on different days. Probably right now I'd say flexibility. Flexibility in um, your eating patterns, flexibility in what you allow yourself to eat, i.e. giving yourself permission to eat different things. Um, because even when you're in a fat loss phase, perhaps inflexible dietary restraint is going to is associated with better long term fat loss, um, and flexibility like psychological flexibility, um, avoiding rules, avoiding like you can have some guidelines in there, but avoiding food rules. That's probably the rule. I think that's probably where I'd go. I'm gonna say what am I gonna say taking ownership of choices because then it just removes any guilt I guess whether whether it's dieting or not and I'm gonna say just the element of of mindful eating I think like the long term that's what really helps you that like listening to your body that's what's empowering you get to know what what is it, what do I actually need? What I'm actually hungry for? What do I actually like? That is bringing that mindful awareness to your eating. That's what's going to help you in the long term. That's something that is sustainable and makes it also enjoyable. Mm. And I think that I think we've all kind of tied into the fact of like a lot of this is what's so important here is the way that you're choosing to think about these things. Now, eating disorders are not like a choice to think about things in a certain way, and disordered eating is not a choice you don't you're not actively cognitively like choosing to binge eat for example so I'm, I want to just really make that disclaimer right here um I hate narrative of like oh you just just have a better mindset and things will feel easy like bull but there are for sure elements of quote-unquote mindset that are going to support you with positive behavior change like having a growth mindset having a flexible mindset recognizing this is like you you're choosing to do these things this is not something that you need to do but these are things that you want to do that you get to do practicing gratitude for the fact that you can do these things showing yourself self-compassion all of these things tie into how you think about the process of working on your health and your relationship with food none of this is like 
being you're not being pinned down and forced to do any of these things and so I think keeping that at the forefront is is quite important and I think all of our answers kind of tie into that okay how to hydrate and fuel for an evening run or gym without waking up dehydrated or going to the toilet all night I run with a club two times a week which is normally quite high intensity and only get home for dinner at half eight nine um well let me tell you what I'm doing with with my need to pee every 30 minutes of the day right now um which I believe is only going to continue and I'll probably need to pee every five minutes of the day so I'm not complaining by any means um but I'm definitely trying to front load my hydration like you're not like yes it's important to like drink water through the day and the way that our our body's um physiology works is that like our hormones respond to like recent hours etc but also not just the last hour like or a day and yes we will be thirsty if we if we don't drink enough etc right but if you can front load you're not going to get de- like realistically you're not going to get dehydrated if you live in the UK I don't know if you do if you live in the UK you're going for a run club at night you're barely like you even if they're high intensity you're not going to be sweating like liters and liters depending on your body size depending on the temperature depending on the duration if you're going out for like a four hour run then yes, like potentially you're at a greater risk, but realistically, even then, a couple of times a week or something, you're not going to get dehydrated from it. So drink when you get home, but you don't need to, you're not, you don't have to like down loads of water or anything. Doesn't matter. Um, you don't need electrolytes and things, but if you add salt to your dinner, that's going to help a little bit with just re- like rehydration. If that you don't need to get any of those whatever those electrolytes that are doing the rounds called that are called at the moment I can't remember um don't need any of that sort of stuff and then I think with fueling have your normal meals and then depending on the time like have a carbohydrate focused meal or snack if it's a meal maybe like an hour and a half before two hours if it's a snack maybe an hour before that is more carbohydrate based and then just have your dinner as usual when you get home and again we know from like looking at elite athletes that if they're training, like unless they're competing twice a day, getting their carbohydrate in straight after their exercise is kind of irrelevant. What's more important is daily carbohydrate intake to help with their muscle glycogen stores. And these are elite level athletes. So if you're if you're like when you get home, like kind I'm kind of not that hungry. I'd rather just have like a bowl of oats and go to bed. I would get some protein in just to help muscle recovery. But it doesn't have to be like this high carbohydrate refuel type of thing. Like we don't even do that. Like I said, with kind of elite athletes, you may well be an elite athlete, in which case good for you. But even then, look at your daily overall intake. Okay. Um, Anna. Sorry. Uh, with fat loss after HA, what to do if hormones are still sensitive, e.g. not ovulating some months but still getting regular period? Is it just managing stress in other areas, e.g. work, sleep, etc.? Any tips for helping keep hormones good during fat loss? Was, did ovulation return and then disappear again with fat loss? Yes. 
So if I'm giving you my super honest opinion on this, this would be a, a red flag to me. And if I was being super focused on your health, which I would be as a coach, um, and as I'm sure Anna is, my recommendation is that dieting, or my feedback is that fat, the fat loss focus for you right now is probably contributing to your to irregular periods or regular cycle in some way. And so I would probably recommend, well, I would say it's up to you what you do with it. My recommendation would be this one, probably not to diet. But I don't know where, I don't know where you're at with your health journey. I don't know where you're at with your, like, I don't know any of these things and there's a lot more to it than just that one question. Anna knows a lot more than me on this. Um, but in terms of keeping things healthy, aside from making sure that you've got enough energy and we're managing your energy availability, managing your expenditure, making sure that your physical stress is not too high, making sure that your psychological stress is high, not too high and you're looking at your overall allostatic load day to day, week to week and making sure you're managing all of those things. Um, and realistically, that's that's kind of all you can do. Um, Katie. So the conversation around alcohol on the chat got me thinking. I've now moved away from alcohol and feel I don't enjoy it as much as I did. But part of me also thinks deep down it's because of wasted calories. I also feel like I'm not as fun without it and naturally then think it makes me a bit uptight. How is this feeling managed? For me, I think that like obviously this client has really great self-awareness you know you're already aware that like there's something there about the calories in alcohol there's also something there about like the if it, you know how it acts as a social lubricant and I think like that is alcohol is allowed to do that it's allowed to kind of like let people hold down and, and let them engage but if I was to say something like concrete here I would like sometimes it can be really and really interesting experience to just have a trial period of not drinking and and for like I've done it before and you, if you can just have a little bit of time to just see how do I show up in these social interactions without having alcohol it can be a really interesting experience um, and I'm not saying that everybody needs to go teetotal, like I've done it before. And then you go back to alcohol and you can go back and you can enjoy it like a lot more mindfully. It can be a totally different experience of being on alcohol. But if you feel like it's a bit of a social crutch, then I definitely think that, yeah, it could be an interesting experience to see what it would be like to take that crutch away. Yeah, I think it's a distinction between bit of a social lubricant that you enjoy versus you needing it to socialize um because i i enjoy the feeling of having a glass of wine socially i enjoy it being a bit of a lubricant who doesn't love a little bit of a lubricant like it's quite nice um that being said obviously the last however many months i haven't been drinking alcohol and at no point have i feared going into social situations because I don't have that and so being like like Katie said like you are self-aware and, and having these thoughts and questions and reflections so continuing on on that and saying okay well where is this is this a crutch or is this a bit of joyful lubricant and then maybe trialing and getting curious about not having it 
would be a good shout. Um, I think too, in terms of the wasted calories, it's tough, right? Because it's like, it kind of is wasted calories in a way, like in the sense of alcohol doesn't serve us in a health way. It's not the same as saying like full fat milk is wasted calories because it's not, because there are nutrients in there. And if you enjoy that, then fine. Alcohol is effectively like it is joy for some people, like in moderation, of course. Um, but so I would say like, I wouldn't demonize yourself or like be hard on yourself for thinking it's kind of what's the point. Um, that being said, if you're giving up something that you love, that you have a good relationship with, that does add to your life and you're only having, you know, a couple of drinks a week or it's 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 and like it's a, a, not a negative behavior for you and if you're giving this up because you don't want the calories then again that's something to get curious about but if it's like I don't really love it that much and like I don't know if I've got a great relationship and I don't think the calories are kind of worth it like I think that's okay we can be quick to kind of judge ourselves for any sort of like thought in our head of these types of food rules and actually alcohol even a small amount of alcohol is not supportive of our health like we know that now and I say this as somebody who will continue to drink alcohol when I'm allowed um because I enjoy it so it's not I'm not demonizing it by by any means okay um it's me in it okay um how to let go of the identity of the person who binges and relies too heavily on food to process and step into the identity of someone who is self-disciplined and cares for their body. I'm going to just offer an observation based on even how the question is phrased to, to this client is I just see the, the dichotomy there, like the difference between the identity of someone who binges versus the identity of someone who is self-disciplined and how those seem like to be two totally separate identities. And that perhaps a person who binges can still care for their body and a person who binges can still be self-disciplined. It's not an either or question and um, I agree I agree the first thing I would say it's interesting because I was just thinking to myself okay when I used to binge eat when I used to binge eat I had more discipline than I do now infinitely more discipline to restrict myself all day to the point of like insane hunger to do a lot more training than I do now the discipline was infinitely higher but the but to be fair the this the care for my body was not as high then as it is for now that's that that was me personally that, again like you said Katie that doesn't have to be the case um I think almost if you haven't read like the power of now or a new earth or untethered soul or any of those books that kind of deconstruct identity and ego I would recommend that you read them because I think one of the problems that we have at the moment is like the James Clear narrative and I really rate of course James Clear like a lot of what a lot of what he says but 
one of the things he often talks about when it comes to habit change is like um, think become the identity of the person you want to be and develop their habits and I don't really love that because it makes it kind of separates you from who you are and I think that who you are is your soul is your heart is your being it's not a binge eater it's not a disciplined person it's not I don't know whatever your job whatever and it's who you are on a deeper level and I think if you can start to get curious about that of like you are already the person who can be self-disciplined who cares for their body who also binges like you're you're the same person you you have all of these capabilities so I would almost say like try to step away from like trying to try on this new identity and just more think towards yourself okay well as who I am right now what would it look like to care for my body in this moment or what would it look like to I don't even think discipline I don't discipline is important I do think I think discipline is important in a lot of ways right I don't always want to do admin but I have the discipline to do it because I know I need to do it right so of course discipline is important but like get curious about what it would look like for you discipline for me now of going to the gym three times a week is not the same discipline that I had 10 years ago when discipline was not eating all day properly so yeah I would try more look introspectively than for this new identity that you're going to put on and then also just to bring it back to what we spoke about earlier like perhaps an alternative question you can ask is like well how am I acting in a way that's aligned with my values and if you're doing like building on what Amelia's saying that like getting to know yourself a large part of that is values work and then you know if your values are like if my value is to be in a healthy body and that doesn't have to look like a disciplined gym three times a week for me my environment is different it can look like just moving my body hiking doing yoga doing different things it allows like the thing that you're doing to be flexible and change but the value is still the same how to navigate when triggered by something someone has said that they are going through such as grief or loss or even a body confidence issue this is tough because I think we all get triggered by lots of different things and we can get annoyed about ourselves about it or we can overthink it like if something triggers me I know it's triggered me because I overthink it and then I'm like making my tea and I'm like why am I thinking about this thing that's got nothing to do with me and I'm overthinking it and it's usually a reflection of my own stuff like where we're triggered it's our own stuff right so I think it's if it if I'm in the situation that this person is in I would say notice that you are do you do feel triggered by it and then just get curious about what it is triggering in you and write about it journal about it talk to Anna about it whatever it would be and don't get pissed off at yourself about it or frustrated because we all get triggered by various different things sometimes some of us put it on our social medias and then lose loads of followers because we're ranting about it whatever that may be like these things happen so don't like I wouldn't I wouldn't do anything like I don't think it's important necessarily to be like okay this is my boundary no one's ever allowed to talk about body confidence in front of me anymore um you might have a boundary that no one comments on your body 
but your boundary is not, okay, you can't do this thing around me anymore. It's less about that and controlling that and more about working through why you're struggling with it. And I think taking action is important. Like if something triggered me and I reflected on it and it was like, I can't think of an example. Anyway, I reflected on it and I thought, okay, that's okay because I'm taking action on it or that's not aligned with my values. That's quite reassuring. And I've used this example before with Emma and I years ago, you know, when we used to, like we used to travel a lot more together. And if I'd done that with her maybe five years ago, I feel like I probably would have been quite triggered because she works more hours than me. And I would have thought, I would have been like, oh, I need to be doing that many hours and like showing up in that way. And, prioritizing those things and there's no right or wrong way to do things but I know in the past and we've talked about this like I would have felt like oh whereas now if that triggered me now I could easily come back to my values and go oh but but that's because that wouldn't be in line with my values that's fine I'm not taking action on it but it's not aligned with my values so I can let that go so check in with your values check in with your action and get curious about it it's what I would say Um, okay, Katie. If I've identified that dieting is the right thing for me to work towards my goal of fat loss, when do I know when to stop dieting? As as a part of this journey is about not constantly aiming to be smaller no matter what size I am, as this is what I've done my whole life. I don't necessarily want to go based on the old once I'm back to my size eights as the clothes size isn't important to me. So I think they're saying, when do I know, how do I know when to stop dieting? That's the question. Great question, I think. Um, great question. Hmm. Hmm. Sometimes I think it's about being objective, of saying, okay, I've been dieting for eight weeks, okay? And let's check in with where I'm at. And I think having some objective markers, I don't mean go away, I just mean durations, etc. I think sometimes that's the right way to go. In part, checking in again with, you know, eight weeks down the line, is this impacting my life? How is my relationship with food? How is my body confidence? How is my body image? Not the same thing. Um, And then, you know, okay, you check in and you're like, yeah, I still want to lose more weight okay, well, what is it you're looking for? Like, is there something else you're looking for with this continued weight loss? Um, are you thinking that your body image is going to change or is it that you just, you want to be in certain clothes or what else are you looking for? And I think it's just consistently doing those check-ins at relatively objective times. Um, but in my experience of working with people who go through this phase, they usually come to me and they're like, I'm kind of done. And it will be like, sometimes it's three weeks in and sometimes it's two months later and they're kind of like, yeah, I'm good now. Or I'll say to them, okay, you've been dieting for a couple of months now. You've lost weight. You're in a healthy body. Everything's great. Your relationship is great. How are you feeling about dieting? Um, but of course, long-term, you want to be able to do that for yourself rather than have that external person. But whilst you do, whilst you are working with the team, you're in a good position that you do have that person to kind of run these things by. I think that that question is always so important. And, and it's something like if 
I could probably count on one hand the amount of times I've thought, hmm, maybe, maybe I'll work on fat loss. And it's generally because I felt triggered by something. And I think having that question in mind, like if I'm in a healthy body, why, why do I, why do I want to diet? And that would, like you said, whether it's, whether it's fat loss or just kind of in a maintenance phase um, or, or just maintaining post fat loss, like if you are having those thoughts, those feelings, that would be my check-in, like what's going on for me that I'm feeling that need because my body's doing everything that I need it to. Mm. Is there something else going on? Okay. Okay. How can we navigate knowing what the right thing to do is, being able to do that, but inside feeling absolutely terrified to gain weight and feeling like when you are not tracking and weighing, there is a neon sign above your head saying, I have gained weight. Some good old self-trust is needed. <laughs> I think when you, when you've removed tracking, so so normal to experience well the 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 worries in how can how can I trust myself how am I not going to be gaining weight and in truth a bit like when you do when you start doing this work like we're not here to tell you that it's definitely gonna go one way or the other um but realistically if you've been doing this work if you if you've been tracking you've got a good idea of what serving sizes look like and how um how to fuel yourself and obviously I'm guessing doing this work you're going to be starting to develop your mindful eating skills and part of that self-trust is knowing okay having those check-ins with yourself and going yeah okay I'm I'm full I'm satisfied I can stop here but working towards that self accept uh, that acceptance that you're even like maintaining your body's still going to fluctuate. So right now it might it might go up with um, without tracking as you actually become even more skilled at eating intuitively because you're not being guided by what you feel like you should eat and how many calories a meal should have and and now you can get really curious as to hunger and fullness, which is fantastic but that might involve some, it might not, but it might involve some body composition change. Yeah, I think if you look at the research, right, so let's be um, research-led on this. Um, those who score more highly on intuitive eating markers, like, or higher intuitive eating markers, scores, are associated with a lower BMI. Okay, so... Diet culture has lied to you this entire time that says, and said, if you don't count every morsel that you eat, you will gain weight. This is the only way to do it. That's not true. That's what some man in some office decided to create this rule and just capitalize on it to make billions and billions of pounds, right? That's where that's come from. And we've internalized that and we found a sense of control in that because we are told that our control and our success comes from being small and in our bodies as women, right? So, so it's understandable that you feel this way. I wonder if the absolute fear of gaining weight is the weight or if it's the feeling of what does that mean? 
does weight gain mean to me that I've lost control? Does it mean that I am letting go of myself? Does it mean that I'm becoming less successful, less focused, less whatever? What does weight gain actually mean to you? Because also you're working with the team and I think there's this narrative of like, we're just going to let you just go off and, you know, gain 50 kilos and that that's not like we are focused on your health. Like we're all here to support your health, whatever that looks like for you. And if, for example, you're in a larger body and you gain a little bit of weight to stop binge eating and then you go on a fat loss journey and you lose that, like that's great, great. But we're never going to let someone who's in a larger body continue to keep gaining weight and keep gaining weight and keep gaining weight and not say, okay, there's something, let's look at what's going on here because there's probably something that like we're missing or something that we can support. We are here to support that 100%. Um, the other thing to remember is that tracking is so inaccurate. Food labels alone legally can vary by 20% of their calories alone. Then think about all the errors in MyFitnessPal and the errors just in your, like in your, the differences in your day-to-day -day stuff. The errors in portion sizes, the differences in like how far you walk that day, what your sleep is like, all of these things, you're probably like, you think that you're tracking meticulously, but you're, but even if you're doing things meticulously, it's probably still not as close as you think it is. And so what you feel like is losing control by not tracking you're it's probably not that different from what you're already doing you're just not putting it into an app but I understand the fear of not having that feeling of control but you could eat the same thing and not track it you're still eating the same thing just because you've not tracked it so just get curious about what that tracking and that weight gain signifies to you because probably it's probably a little bit more than just the fact that you'd gain a little bit of weight um okay let's do one last question um, Anna. Um, just any advice, I guess kind of linked, any advice for when you're doing this work and you're dealing with weight gain, do you eventually get to a place where you don't miss your old body? Sometimes. Just speaking from, yeah, from like personal experience, I think. And this is like a conversation we've had, I've had with clients as well. Is you look at pictures of old you who was in that old body, that, that thinner body, that smaller body. But all you can see when you look back is, I remember how sad that person was, or I remember how restricted that person was, or I remember the day that picture was taken and I was actually, all I thought all day was, God, I really want an ice cream and I didn't allow myself to have an ice cream. So, yeah you can you can miss that body but I think that body doesn't exist on its own in a vacuum like it comes with all the experiences of what you were going through at that time and when you look back at that body you think oh but like it, what the picture doesn't show is that I was I was sick and you know I wanted to eat more food but I couldn't like all these little nuanced things that you lose when you look back when you think about just the body Hmm. and I think it kind of loses importance I can look about back at my body kind of when I quit competing like a year after I was competing I still had tons of muscle and I had a better relationship with food and I was I had a giant arse and I was quite stacked and I and I don't really look at old photos anymore because I don't think I don't see the point 
right? And I can look at that and be like, gosh, yeah, I looked great, like buzzing with that. But I wouldn't give up all what I have now to have that body again. And it's not because I was super miserable or I ate all right. Like it wasn't like this really dark time for me. It was moving out of a dark, darker time for sure, but it wasn't like this really awful place. Um, I did train more. I wouldn't want to train as much as I do that as I did then. And I wouldn't want to be so disciplined with all of that stuff as I as I was then. Um, but it's more that you kind of just get to the point where you go, you it's acceptance of like you can look back and think, oh, I love that body, but like bodies are supposed to change still your body and your body deserves that love you get to the point where you respect and you appreciate your body regardless of what it's what its body size is as you go through life so you can look back with fondness and think yeah I was healthy then and I had a smaller body and that's great but like that's okay and that's life happens my body's supposed to change I'm supposed to get older or whatever it may be and Listen, I think that in a year's time, I'm going to have a whole new perspective on some of these things in terms of my body changes and stuff. And I'm actually really excited to kind of go through that and think, interesting how my perspective may well change on these types of things. So I'll report back. But from my experience so far, it's kind of like, yeah, you might miss it, but you don't spend time looking at old pictures. You don't look at it. You don't, you might see an old picture and be like, oh yeah, that's a great memory, but you don't automatically go to your body like you used to. When you improve your body image, your body's not the first thing that you're always thinking about and you're not doing a lot of that comparison that you might do now yeah I I'm glad you you said that Amelia because I have to say and it's I can I can look back on competing days and go yeah I, I really like Katie was saying I really do not miss that body at all but I do miss the body I had a couple of years ago when I was training pretty consistently feeling really good but like you were saying because my, my body image doesn't take up a lot of space very very minimal space now it's a eh, yeah but she's still showing up for me so let's just focus on where I'm at right now and what I can do mm. okay fabulous great questions keep them coming in thank you both so much bye thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoyed it and as always if you did please do feel free to like share subscribe and review and if you would like to chat to me then you can find details of my instagram in the show notes